they're back on the football outside the box podcast where we discuss the past the present and the future of football for my case very exciting transfer news today nothing completed yet but i'm glad to see arsenal are finally making some strides in the transfer window Two big ones, one by the name of Fabio Vieira, another Vieira coming back to Arsenal. It's just, it's destiny. It is frigging destiny. But from a current standpoint, the Portuguese league has been producing some fantastic talents in the Premier League of late. Bruno Fernandes, Ruben Diaz, João Cancelo. Luis Diaz, he is someone who I actually have not heard of before this. I don't know how many people have heard of him. Um, but looking at his stats, he seems to be a very creative addition to the midfield. Seeming more like a central midfielder, deep lying, someone who likes to get on the ball, someone who looks comfortable in this area technically sound and hopefully he can add some more attacking threat or more help us to transition from defense to attack swifter yeah he's gonna set the league on fire i know him very well he's a very talented youngster said no one ever (laughs) honestly i don't think any of us, I, I certainly didn't. I don't think a lot of fans would have heard of this guy. Unless, of course, you're Portuguese or whatnot. This, if this were my team, this is something that I would be excited about. It's, you know, out out, out the blue kind of signing. It, it just came out of nothing. You know, no links to him whatsoever. And bam, just this morning. And I think... It's pretty much done. All it's missing is the official confirmation. The fee is around 20 to 30 million pounds, which is what you've come to expect from any player, any decent player. I heard 35 million, but somewhere around there pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't say much about him as a player, but looking at the type, of the the type of highlights that he's had on YouTube. Like you said, he looks more of a technical kind of guy. I know you've been wanting to sign a more defensive-minded midfielder to really release Partey. Well, it looks like with the signing of Fabio Vieira, on top of that plus the links to Tielemans, who's not necessarily a defensive stalwart, it, it seems like Arteta's looking at Partey as the, the holding midfield, which, which did work between you know, the middle stages of the season, you know, December, March, December to March, let's say, because uh, as we know, after March, he never played again this season. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm not saying Partey can't do that CDM holding role and be that 
player who screens in front of the defense. I think he does that well. But in my opinion, to get the most out of him, like I feel like when we use him as a holding midfielder like that, I feel like we're wasting his ability to offer more up the field. But if that's Arteta's decision, I'm not going to complain about that too much. I think that either or, it works fine. I'm excited, though, to see Vieira come in because I feel as though he's going to be what he was trying to get out of Xhaka, out of Xhaka in terms of that transitioning from defense to attack. But I feel like Xhaka was just missing that that technical kind of smoothness on the ball. And I feel like he wasn't dynamic enough. And I think that that's based on the YouTube videos I've seen. That's what I feel like Vieira is going to be able to add. Um, And in addition to that, I feel as though he seems comfortable around the box. I don't want to say in the box, but definitely in areas kind of hooking around and on the sides of the box, he's able to kind of get those low whip crosses in and he's able to clip them in, in around, kind of like what we see Odegaard do or one of Ozil's favorite types of crosses towards towards Giroud back in the day. Or like what we see Saka do a lot of the time that when he's dribbling at players and he just kind of clips it into the back post looking for Aubameyang. In the, in the past, we've seen that he seems to be comfortable in those areas. I wouldn't say to expect him to be doing that as his primary role, but to have another option for that would be effective. And I wouldn't be surprised if in some matches, especially if we're lacking depth or in case anything happens, God forbid Odegaard gets injured or Smith Rowe or somebody who can play in that 10, he could slot in there too. I don't necessarily know if he's a Xhaka replacement. I, I don't know much about him to really have a discussion with you on this. So we'll I don't want to say Xhaka replacement. That's pushing it too far because I think Xhaka just offers something different. I think Xhaka is more of a physical enforcer in the midfield. He's going to be the one to throw his body around and get tackles in and be kind of a solid player where that's concerned. But... You could see a lot of the times as well that Arteta would want Xhaka kind of pushing forward, making those runs, getting on the ball and transitioning it, playing penetrating passes, which I, I think Xhaka has a good left foot. But I feel like Vieira is just going to have that more quality and dynamism to get that done more often and be more effective in that role. But I do think he will lack the defensive solidity that Jaka does possess. Yeah, and of course, and, and we saw how Arteta used Xhaka to push Tierney forward and drop Xhaka back just so he doesn't commit stupid fouls and get himself sent off or get his team in trouble. As I mentioned, Arsenal are also being linked with Tielemans. Not much um, in terms of their Defensive additions, I think with Saliba's confirmation that he's going to be returning to Arsenal. That's, I don't think that's Arsenal's main priority at the moment, it seems. Telemans, I know he's wanted to move to a Champions League club, but it seems no Champions League club wants him. 
And it seems as though Tielemans is looking set for Arsenal. A smart decision, you have to say, by Arteta. Midfield depth is key, um, I think, for her system. We saw what happened, not just with Partey, but even when Xhaka was missing for a period of time, you know, it's it's crucial. I'm not saying they're going to come in and do the exact same jobs or do better jobs than those players, but having depth is crucial, and especially with Arsenal competing in Europe as well this season. But on top of that, I think we do have to touch on your rivals, Tottenham Hotspur. They've also been making, I guess you could say, depth signings. Uh, Perisic will start, I'm sure, but they've signed the Brighton midfielder for up to £30 million in the name of Yves Besuma. Now, he's been linked with a lot of the top six or the big six clubs. And with one year left on his contract, it's looking like it's not confirmed yet, but it's, I think there are reports that the medical was already done on Thursday. I think it's a very smart signing for Tottenham. I don't think Bissouma is any top class midfielder or anything like that. But for what Tottenham need, I think Hoiberg, he, he cannot play every single game. Bissouma can sort of replace him in certain games. At least he's prem proven. He's a very, he's very energetic um, in a similar sense where Hoiberg likes to go forward, even though he's more of a deep-lying playmaker. I think it's a good depth signing for them. Um, I would have liked to seen us sign Basuma at that price. Uh, $30 million isn't isn't cheap, but if you look at the context of how much clubs are asking for players, it is on the cheaper end for a prem-proven a defensive box-to-box midfielder. What, what's your opinion on Spurs signing uh, Yves Bissouma? Well, I at first was a bit worried because I actually rate Bissouma a lot in terms of quality. I think he's a very solid midfield player. I think he was a standout at Brighton. Technically, very sound as well. He was a complete midfielder, in my opinion, when I would watch him. And I think he's going to add a lot to the team. My only concern is his off the field, that discipline. I mean, he had the the sexual assault charges, I think it was. And yeah. that's never something that you want to have in or around your club at all. And I think that was one of the major reasons, because I know he was linked with Arsenal. I think that was one of the major reasons why teams kind of started to slow up their interest in him and the links kind of started to die down but i do think that they got him for a good price where that is concerned now if he can chill with his off the field bullshit essentially and contact just call it a crime i mean crime yeah (laughs) we, we don't know yet of course but i mean we saw this man in in handcuffs coming out of the nightclub you know, it's 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 not a good look. Yeah. I don't know what, what's happened to that trial. Is it even happening? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, whatever it is, you never want that drama in and around your club. It's just going to be a distraction. I mean, we saw what happened with Mendy at Man City. I mean, or even Greenwood at Man United. It just becomes a waste. 
Like you're a whole waste of a player, you're a waste of wages, you're a waste of a transfer fee. It's just basically washed on the drain. So it's a risk, but I think as a player, if we're looking at him solely as a player, talented player, I think, in terms of ability. Speaking of midfielders, though, now going back to the Tielemans thing, the one thing I am worried about, though, with Arsenal is that because we've signed Vieira, and we've seen this in the past, that we settle with that, we get content, and we don't sign anybody else. And hopefully it seems to change, though, because of the timing that we're getting deals done. In the past, we've seen Arsenal wait till late into the transfer window to get deals done. And it's always been a big concern of mine. But this season, it seems like we're getting deals done quicker. Looking back to Tottenham now, they are getting their deals done quickly. And to me, it's always better to get the signings in as soon as possible, but must be done before the end of sorry, must be done before the start of the season. Because otherwise you just waste these matches. Unless, of course, I get that. One or two players can't necessarily get over the line and things happen, but they are doing the business. They're putting in the work to get these players in because Kante is clearly realizing that Tottenham needs work in terms of the players that they're bringing in. They're also looking at Bastoni, as we mentioned before. That's an area that they need to improve. Is Bastoni the answer? I personally don't think he's the answer. I think he'll be a great addition. But I think Tottenham, they need somebody who's going to be a fully dominant centre-back. Somebody who's going to have that real... You know, like every team really wants a standout centre-back to almost lead their back line. And Tottenham are missing that right now. I think they have talented defenders. I think Romero is talented, but I don't think he has that kind of presence to be the leader at the back, if that makes sense. What do you think about that? I think Tottenham's always lacked leaders on the field. You wouldn't really look at Harry Kane and think of him as a leader. You wouldn't look at Hugo Lloris, even though he's a captain, as a leader. It, I mean, as we mentioned in our captain's episode, leaders are hard to find. Whether it be the leaders that we usually talk about is... You know those ones that that sh- that show on the field, right? Whether it be by performances or just by leading the team in in the energy or arousing the team or talking and encouraging the teammates, whether whatever it is, it's hard to find that. And I don't know much about Bastoni if he is that kind of a player, but I mean any team could do with one of those. And if I look at the Tottenham team right now. Do I see any? Not necessarily. You, you mentioned Romero. I mean, he's a good defender. I think he's a bit of a cunt as well. Not necessarily a leader. I argue with that one. I mean, it's it's just facts. You know, it's not. So Tottenham could do with one of those. And a center back is something that they can definitely improve on because they, as we know, they predominantly operate a back three. And their depth in center back isn't great isn't ideal at all but i don't know how easy it would be to sign bastoni who's inter's key defender and i think he's also being linked with chelsea with the 
Lukaku saga as well. Before we move on, I think we do need to touch on the fixture list that was released as of Thursday, June 16th. Interestingly, again, Arsenal kick us off. This time not at Brentford, but rather at Palace, where they got thrashed 3-0. Alicia saved a Monday night thrashing at Palace this season. But again, Arsenal kicking us off. On a Friday again. Why are we always on a Friday? It's like they want they just want everybody to watch and say, yep, let's just put Arsenal under the pressure. Again. Why? Why on a Friday? Why they can't just put us on a Saturday so I can at least wake up on a weekend and watch the match? Now I'm going to have to struggle to watch this thing at work. Don't tell my boss, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, as far as the fixtures look to start the season off, I'm pleased with the start. I think it would be good to kind of build momentum like that. I feel like there's a lot of winnable games in that list. But then coming around to October, that month is looking very frightening, in my opinion. And that's where I struggle. That's where I fear that we'll kind of dip in form a bit. One thing we do have to mention, though, it's because of the World Cup that's happening in November. The international break doesn't come until the end of September, meaning we'll have eight games of Premier League before the first international break. Now, to those who are used to the Premier League football, we only have three to four games in late August, early September, by the time we have the first international break. If you remember last season, Arsenal started the season with three losses on the bounce, but they bounced back, regrouped after the international break. So this is an interesting change in the dynamic because... If you start poorly, you don't have an international break to bounce back from. You don't have an international break to just kind of go away, reset, and get a fresh start. You're having to play eight games before the first break, I guess you could call it. And after that, it's full on, you know, because usually the second international break comes at the end of September or beginning of October, meaning you only have, again, four the five Premier League games for that month. But on the other hand, if you can go on a run and not be interrupted by the international breaks, because there's only going to be one before the World Cup, that could be huge. And that worries me a little bit as as a United fan, of course, because we have a new manager. We haven't made any signings. Preseason starts in less than two weeks' time. And before the World Cup, we're playing all of the big six teams or the rest of the big six. So the five big six teams that worries me. If we make a poor start, I don't know if we have the leisure or I don't know if we have the ability to reset and give the manager the time, because like I said, it's eight games after eight games and and then it's the world cup, you know, and then the world cup is happening. A lot of the players are going to be gone at the world cup. Not much to do work on back home in in England. I don't know. I I I'm I hope not, but I mean we'll see. But it's it's it could be tough. It could be a very tough start. 
And I, I mean, I, I don't know why they put the Liverpool game the third game of the season. No narrative built up to the season. I just hate playing these big rivals so early on. Imagine playing Tottenham Hotspur in in August. You know that that just it just it's not it's not right. Yeah, that literally happened to us last season. We had to play City first. Well, not first, but in the first three matches was City and Chelsea, and then in like a couple weeks after that was Tottenham and Liverpool right there and then. But touching on Man United a little bit, back to the transfer talk. What are your thoughts about this Pogba thing? He's come out now and said Man United offered him nothing. He's complaining about how they didn't really want him after claiming that they wanted him and they were just bluffing. Now he wants to go to Juventus and prove them wrong. How how you feel about this? You feel like he was worth the money or you feel like he's just all chat? Boy, I'll tell you one thing. I would certainly love to have nothing in my pocket right now. I mean, the man was offered upwards of 300k pounds a week. Now, I don't know what kind of upbringing you've had, or I don't know what kind of, I don't care what kind of situation you're in. 300k pounds a week? You call that nothing? I don't, I don't understand, but we don't need to spend too much time on it. He's not a, he's not our player anymore. I'm very fond of him. I'm not, I don't hate him or anything like that i don't i wish him well i wish him success at juventus but i think his i mean i think it's just all talk you know you had six years to prove us wrong you know if you really wanted a contract that badly you had six years to perform at the level that you deserve to be or that you deserve or that you feel that you can play at for you to deserve a monstrous contract that you were, I guess he was after. But then for him to come out and say, I'm going to show them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them what a mistake it was. Come on now. I knew he was going to do pull this kind of stuff. This is one thing I mentioned to you before he left. I don't know if I did to you or not. I don't mind if he goes. I just hope he doesn't go out and badmouth the club. And within the space of two weeks, he's already gone and done that. Yeah, he honestly hasn't even officially signed with Juventus yet. But to me, he just seems like this prima donna. Like, honestly, like, this guy is such... He's so arrogant. I have never seen a football player so arrogant with really and truly not much to back it. People can say, oh, he won a World Cup. He played well that World Cup. That's great and all. But he also had a star-studded team around him. It's not like he was carrying the team. You could even say Ibrahimovic. He's very arrogant. But he has backed it for many years. And still, even to this day, he's backing it. Those types of things you cannot argue with. But come on, bro. The pogmentary... (laughs) This is a documentary about Paul Pogba, and he's called it the Pogmentary. Get over yourself, like shit. No, I mean we don't we don't need to spend too much time on Pogba. It's it it's a thing of the past. Who whoever wants to watch it can watch it. I don't think I will personally, unless it's unless I hear good reviews or it's very interesting. But like I said, 
the club failed him as well as Pogba failing the club. I don't think it. I don't think the blame is on just one party. And we spoke about this before. If you're that good, you should need to have a team built around you, and you need to be playing with next to somebody who's sitting. If you're that good, you should just dominate. End of story. Done. Like you don't need to have this system that supports you. X Y Z. No. If you're gonna be having this chat, prove it. Like as you said, he had six years to prove it. You should have proven it then. But anyway, as you said, Pogba can f off now. He can move on. Next story for Man United. Do you guys sign De Young or not? Or should I say, do you want to sign De Young or both? I mean, of course, of course, I would want him to sign for us. I think he's a very, or it seems to be a very key part of the manager's ideas. And at his level, at his quality, I mean, a player of his quality can only come in and help what the manager is trying to do. And especially a player who's worked with the manager before and reached the heights that they've reached, including the semifinals of the Champions League with, with an Ajax team. We're not talking about Man City's or the Liverpool's. And he was in the world best 11 in the year 2019. So, of course, I'd want to. Whether he does, I mean, I don't know. I'm inclined to say yes. Me just sitting here saying yes or no, is, is it doesn't have any bearing on whether he actually signs for us or not. But I think it's just a game of poker. Who gives in first is pretty much going to lose. We know what Barca have to do they have to generate a certain amount of money by the end of june it sucks that we're going to be already on the preseason tour by the end of june but it is what it is he wasn't going to return to or at least he wasn't going to report to the camp by that point anyway because he was only until recently with the dutch international team speaking of him being with the dutch national team I mean, I'm a big fan of De Jong. I think he's a great player. I think he offers a lot defensively and offensively. He's very good at keeping a team ticking. But after watching these last couple Netherlands games, I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying that this is my new opinion of him. I'm just saying if I'm going to review his last few matches, he seemed a bit off, in my opinion. Not his normal self. I'm not saying... He's going to be that player for the next few seasons. I think he's still a quality player. I just feel that maybe these transfer rumors are a bit distracting for him. And maybe that has something to do with his mentality. I know Barca is a big club, but when you go to a club like Man United, there's a lot more media attention, I think. It's a lot more commercialized. And... Those are the types of things, especially in the English media, those are the types of things that you have to be wary of. You have to be able to handle the media because you're going to be in it a lot more. You're going to be criticized differently. One mistake can be your whole, the whole talking point for the weekend. Circling back to Arsenal, Jesus as well, it looks like he's close to signing for Arsenal in what is looking like a big range, I'm hearing reports of anywhere between 30 and 
45, maybe 50 million even for Jesus. I know we spoke about him previously. We both have similar views on that. We don't think he's quite the answer. Do you think that maybe he could perform differently in an Arsenal jersey? Do you think that maybe he'll feel more secure in the team and therefore play with a bit more freedom? Or do you think he maintains his similar style that he's been going with for City, kind of lacking the conviction and not really having that clinical instinct in him? Yeah, I mean, it would be unfair for me to sit here and say he's never shown that side of his game because he's never had the the confidence or the stature in a city side or even the Brazilian national side like the likes of Aguero or even a Neymar would. And we know how big of a factor confidence is in players when it comes to this top-level football. But Especially I mean, for a striker. Especially for a striker. But I mean, at his age, he's already been in the league for six years, I believe. I can't see that changing that much, though. I know he's come in at a very young age, but he's already at an age of 25. He should be hitting his prime soon. I don't I don't know. I, I'm not convinced by him. I'm not convinced that he will suddenly become this exceptional striker that will be finishing off all those chances with conviction for Arsenal. I think he's a decent signing for that price and whatnot, and it addresses what Arsenal need. But would he be the ideal signing if I were Arteta? I mean, if I were Arteta, I don't know what Arteta's thinking, but from outside looking in, no. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I think him, in addition to another player, maybe we'd be talking. I think ideally we need to bring him in and somebody else. And this is what I was talking about with the midfield selection as well. With Vieira coming in, I worry that Arsenal is not going to bring in another central midfielder like the Tielemans link that we discussed because usually when we make that signing, we tend to become complacent and get content with the fact that, oh, we already made the signing. So, okay, there you go, Arsenal fans. That's what it's been in the past. And I know that Arsenal fans who, who have been supporting Arsenal for years, they know that trend. They know, even if you watch AFTV and you see what the fans say, I know not everybody's an AFTV fan, but which is fine. But you can't argue with the fact that those guys have been watching Arsenal for many years and they see the trends that occur. And what has been happening is Cronky, the American owners, they come in and they just kind of give Arsenal the fans, oh, here's your marquee signing, go have fun with that. Pretty much. It's like a it's like pretty much to quiet them down for the for the for the summer or for the winter because they don't want us to just get complaining. Especially the more you complain, they're just throwing a player. Recently, however, we've done better at bringing in more players throughout the transfer window. Um, can't say the same about winter, however, but summer, yes. What the one thing that I was complaining about and that I was concerned about was the timing of our transfers. That has gotten better this summer. Now we seem to be bringing in players much earlier, before preseason even starts. That's excellent. 
that allows the players to gel, that gives us options and availability going straight into the new season. We're not short going into the Crystal Palace game, which happened against Brentford last season. We were short going into the match. We're short going into the Man City match. We're short going into the Chelsea match. And we struggled because of it. We dropped nine points because of that. And that those nine points could have been the difference to Champions League football. And now we're doing better than that. So that already gives me hope that we will be making more signings for the rest of the season. Because now that we've changed one aspect of that, it gives me hope that we'll be willing to change other aspects and those other aspects being more depth. So it gives me... There's a light at the end of the tunnel to bring in a, another midfielder to, par, to pair with the transfers of Vieira, to pair with the transfers of Jesus, and hopefully another striker to pair with that as well. I think there's other positions we need as well. But right now, as you mentioned, depth is a core issue right now for Arsenal, especially in the midfield, especially at striker. And I think there's a few other positions. I personally think we should bring in a right back and have Tommy Yasu be the utility man for basically the whole back line because I think that's going to be important. And I think another backup left back would be good, especially if we let Nuno Tavares go on loan. But we will see. Tommy Yasu could play backup left back too if we were to bring in the right back. But again... That's me kind of being greedy. I don't expect all of that to be happening. So we'll see how the transfer window plays out. Good start to it, though, for Arsenal for once. Yeah, good start to, uh, well, after Thursday's news, a good start for Arsenal, good start for Tottenham, City, Liverpool. Not so much for Chelsea and United, but. That's it for today's episode. Let us know your thoughts on the transfer window so far, as well as the fixture list for the next season that was released for the Premier League. Don't forget to do the usual. You already know. If you haven't done it already, what the hell are you doing? Why haven't you done it yet? Like, (laughs) subscribe, turn on those notifications. Have you not turned them on yet? Turn them on. So you know, don't miss an episode. And... I'm repeating myself again, but the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio. So just get clicking. Thank you very much. Thank you as always and peace out.